Well, what's up, Grace City Youth? How's everybody doing? Yeah, give it up for Con Wyatt. They like, nah. Well, hey guys, uh, welcome to, unfortunately, what is going to be the last Wednesday night of 2021. But real quick, like we always do, man, tonight there's no screen. Once again, we have some problems with the screen. Look at that shadow. That's about the spirit. Ain't that right, Matt? Yeah, that's your brother, Matt. Hey, no, yeah, if it is your first or second time here at a Grace City Youth, first of all, we're so glad you guys came. Make sure, if you haven't already, go to the welcome tent outside or the information table. We got some little free gifts we want to give you just to say thank you for being our guest tonight. And as always, guys, even though we leave this building tonight, there are plenty of other opportunities for you guys to connect with GCU through the weeks ahead. First off, we have our Christmas services coming up on the 23rd at 3 o'clock and then 5 o'clock or on Christmas Eve from 5 o'clock and at 7 o'clock. It'll be cool just to bring your family to. You guys come and hang. We got free cocoa, free apple cider, free Jesus, free worship, free bathrooms. And even our bathrooms got some gum in it. So some of y'all spank that little boy breath going to get some blessing on Christmas Eve. And the only other thing tonight what we have is something we call Discover. Who has gone through Discover before at all? Yeah, do it, do it, yeah, do it. For us, Discover is something, if you're a part of uh, Grace City Church, uh, Discover is something that we do here once a month for two things. We want to help you guys discover a little bit more about, man, what Grace City Youth is, what Grace City Church is, so you can know kind of what you're a part of each week. But it also is an opportunity to help you guys discover a little bit more about who you are. Because we believe that, man, you're not just fulfilling the need in the world, but we believe that God has created you guys different on purpose. He's given you unique uh, personality traits, environs, and gifts to be able to make a difference in the lives of other people. And so we help you in Discover kind of discover who you are and why you are that way so you can begin to service. Uh, one student in here who has begun to do that, is that my kid? Buster. Hey, bro. I love you, bro. <laughs> oh, somebody sent me an email. I don't want to go away from this. Yeah. Well, one of those students, her name is Riley Sullivan. Some of you guys know Riley. But she has been coming to this youth ministry for upwards of two, three years now. And she began to do that when she went through Discover. And she began to serve in kids. And she's began to serve more and more. And I'm telling you, just the impact that she's been able to make on the kids has been incredible. And last week, you know, you guys know we've been in this series of conversations called Death to Division. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But Riley wrote a little something that I wanted her to share just about uh, just this issue and this disease of division and God's heart for unity in the midst of it. So, Riley, you can come on up, do your thing, girl. So, our world is so divided in this generation we are in now. Whether it's race, religion, racial triggering that could be in any community, we are so divided as a people. Jesus was literally beat upon just so this could be a problem. This generation is so judgmental that if we don't handle it well, our kids will not have it. That if we don't care about them, they'll be passed away. If we're not valuing the things that heaven is valuing, we don't give them anything. That if we're not disciplined enough, they'll exactly behave like us so we can be like them. That what is most important is that being disciplined so well. Being the one that stands out in front of all people who look alike but who look so beautiful. That we don't care about. We see us. They are different. They are cool. We are so concerned about how many people have us instead of having our ears arms wide open to let them in and welcome them in our assignment has shared a belief that the kingdom of god 
the human leg that says my leg is full of bacon, I got a bacon for diabetes. Some people say some some men say that diabetes may not take up in my genes because of my genetic entitlement. Because the bacon is demonic, it is always up to their weakness and malice. But they are called to demolish the spirit of the seed of bacon in our world because that is not what our Lord would want for us. But before we can do all that, we have to find the bacon that is a bacon. We are all bound to God, but we will not be able to bake. The fact that we are all bound to God together should make us love each other more and become closer together. Let us love each other. The closer further apart it makes us, the closer we are. The more insecure we are about ourselves, the more we fear other people to reject that person as good or bad for the commandment to serve God. We rise, we rise up in the highest God to be on the highest level, and we can't fear anything like that because we judge so many others based on what we have and others have. This is not fair that an unfortunate enough person follows the commandment. That is not what our Lord would want for us. Give it up for Riley. He's preaching the whole message tonight. The, uh, with that being said, tonight the title of our last conversation is The Deception of Division. I love what Riley said so much is that difference, being different is not necessarily a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Because I may not, if you don't get anything else we say tonight, there's no notes on screen, so I challenge you guys, get your phones out, take notes. We say this all the time. Do not just listen to what we are saying, but lean in. Every time it's not about the person speaking, it's not really about just what the words I'm saying. It's about that these are not our words, these are God's words. Literally, what we get to communicate each week is the living, breathing word of God. So listen, you're going to hear me say, I'm not naive to believe that everything I say is going to change your life. Just not. If you're looking for one thing I say to change your life, it's not going to happen. But I will tell you something that will happen. I can promise you. Some girl, I even dubbed myself this girl. I'm just like, okay, glad to be walking alone. One thing that will happen is as we communicate the word of God, God will speak to you. Anything that will change your life is one word from God. So I challenge you guys, lean in tonight because God leans in to those who are listening. And I'm telling you, it's been in those moments in my life at our Pastor Josh on Sunday where a friend, where my parents, and it even happened to me this morning when I preached. So not all the time, but it's when God spoke to me through them that something changed in me. And so I believe that something I say tonight, God will speak to you about. And I challenge you to write that thing down and press in a little bit more into it. So the main idea, the main understanding that wraps up this whole conversation is this. It's that division is the counterfeit of the diversity required to reach our destiny. We think, and we've been talking about the disease of division, death to division, how division is demonic, how we need to demolish division. Well, here's the deal. What if we don't have to demolish it? What if we can just flip our perspective? What if the division that our world is filled with is actually disguised as division? It's really diversity. And what if that diversity is actually the very thing God gave to us to reach our destiny? What if we were killing the very thing that we need to reach our destiny? Because that's the point. Division, it is the counterfeit of the diversity required to reach our destiny. Uh, back when COVID was crazy, it's still here, but was anybody quarantined? You know how boring quarantine was, bro? Especially for an extrovert like me. Like, what you finna do? Zoom is not doing that for me. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm in my house struggling. I'm reading all this stuff. But my wife, she picks up a new hobby. Puzzle making. Oh, man, oh, no. Yeah, grandma, more like great-grandma, and it's not even like a cool puzzle. It's like Starry Night, flipping all these things and, and all these, yeah, I'm like, babe, what are you doing? So mind you, quarantine, my busted man's asleep, 
I'm in the living room reading a book, and she's with a lamp doing a little puzzle. That's her, her second book. But what she began to realize is that puzzles are difficult. Because you got this one beautiful picture, and then all these pieces that are all small, and they look different. And so it was difficult, and she tore the pieces out. Cussing up the puzzle. I'm just kidding. I can't cuss. We're Christians. So we started, she started doing this number right here. And so she tried to put them together. And after a couple days goes by, she develops a strategy. What she does is she takes the puzzle that is meant to look like this, and she begins to divide it. She puts the corner pieces together, and if you put a puzzle together, I mean, you know what's up. It's common sense. If you haven't, then you go home and you do your puzzle pattern later. I'm going to help you, right? So your strategy, she put the corner pieces together, and then she put the side pieces together. And then she divided up the, the other, like, colored pieces together. And then she put the dark pieces together, but they didn't stay divided. She then, from there, from that initial division, what she did was she began to put the corner pieces together. She unite them together. Then she put the side pieces together. And those side pieces would connect to the corner pieces, so now they're united. And then she would get the colored pieces. She put them together and unite them. And then she would get the, the bright and the dark pieces, put them together. And by that time, the puzzle was complete except for 10 to 15 other pieces that she had no idea what they were to begin with. But now that she could see what they were missing, she now knew where they stood. And guys, this is the body of Christ, okay? What our world has done is it has started the process that we need to reach our destiny, but it has stopped it there. Because here's the deal. You need division. But it can't stop there. The initial division of, hey, like, and still track with me with the puzzle. You need to divide, okay, these go here, these go here, these go here, because, guys, we are different. And any person out there that says we are the same, they're lying. Any person that says, oh, I can be colorblind, they're lying. Because they're avoiding a deeper issue that they don't know how to reconcile with. Anybody who says that I am just like you, they're lying because we're not. We're very different. Our creator is a creator. He never creates something the same again because he would not be the creator, which means he lacks the creativity to do something else. So whenever you talk about division and we're different, you actually downplay the power of our creator because our creator has created you unique. His creators can only create something beautiful once, and they create something beautiful again and again. So is humanity. So we have been divided. But division shouldn't stop there. It should lead to diversity because then it's when you can connect with other people who are different where you actually reach the end goal, which is the completed puzzle. And see, this issue of division or diversity is the same thing that plagues the church of Corinth. The church of, uh, of Corinth is one of the early churches that Paul, the Apostle Paul, got to go and, and plant a church and write to. And he started the church in the middle of basically what was the Las Vegas of the day. So people are getting saved. People are hearing about this Jesus dude. They're coming for whatever reason. And so Paul has an opportunity. Should he tell them all to act a certain way, to do the certain thing, to whatever, to kind of unite them in what he thinks they should do? Or should he embrace the division and bring about the diversity, which he knew would be the thing that helped them reach their destiny? And so since we don't have notes on the screen, if you guys have a Bible app, if you have a Bible, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12 in the message translation. You can look along with somebody. It'll do a whole lot more if you're able to look up and see it. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 4 all the way through 20 tonight. Don't worry about getting it all right now, but I'm, I'm going to read it. And he says it so perfectly. He says that basically the body of Christ is the same way as a Bible. Here's what he says. He says, you can easily enough see how this kind of thing, diversity, works. By looking no further than your own body. I mean, think about it. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, 
But no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one, one body. And it's exactly the same with the body of Christ, all of us. Believers, every single person who says, Jesus is my Lord, it's the same. We each used to independently call our own shots, go our own way, live our own life. But then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he, talking about Jesus, has the final say in everything. I love this part. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, like we talked about last week, race, religion, sexual orientation, background. Those old labels, and even for them, like Jew and Gentile, they're no longer useful. We need something larger. We need something more comprehensive. And see, he was dealing with the problem 2,000 years ago that we're still dealing with today. How do we have a relationship with somebody who lives different than us, who acts different than us, talks different than us, goes to a different church than us, believes different? How do we actually love them and have a relationship with them? So what they would do is they would divide because they didn't look alike. Here's the deal. Division was never supposed to stop there. It was supposed to lead to diversity. A unity in the midst of difference. And what I love about our generation, which is kind of cool, I don't get to do the statistics. I'm actually part of your generation. It's not a Gen Z combo. But if you look at the generational statistics, we were born in the middle of disruption. Y'all say disruption. Disruption is when there is a normal and something disrupted. We were born in the midst of 9-11 when those two terrorist attacks disrupted everything. We were born into a world where there was a global economy disrupt when the digital world began to take off. We were born into the world, let's just fast forward, into COVID, where everything we knew was coming apart. We were born in a world where normal was never even a thing. So our generation, we have more passion, more hunger, and more power in the midst of our hands than anybody else. And what's cool about you guys, about our generation, is that we will give our life for something if we believe it. That's why we are seeing such rapid change and growth in the world now, because it's young people who are so passionate, they'll give everything they have to bring about change. Some older generations, they're stuck in their way, so if it's not normal to them, then it's going to die with them because, man, they weren't raised that way. But not so with you. Like we said last week, division didn't stop with you, but it will die with you because we are in a generation that will change the world because we have it at our fingertips. And that's what Paul was trying to get them to understand, is that that is the goal of the body of Christ. But there's a dark side. different in person. My God, you are different on purpose. The way you are, how you are, you are different on purpose. But hear me, the way you were born, even though you were born in a different place, whatever, you're different on purpose, but there is a dark side of different. There's a dark side to different because for some people, their difference is a disadvantage. Some people, the way they look, the color of their skin, their athletic ability, their inability to be able to sing a song and hold a key, their being the not smart kid in the family, they're different, even though that's how they were created, it's a disadvantage. So because of that disadvantage, you belittle your value. Because this is what culture and the world will do if we're not careful. If you don't know who you are, and if your value is not set in the sustaining Jesus Christ, then your value will be based on how you're different from everybody else. And culture will tell you, hey, if you can't play as well as everybody else, they'll start, you're shit. Culture will tell you, hey, if you're not pretty enough or don't look good enough or you don't have the killer six-pack abs or you don't have this certain contour to your face, then we will post them and we'll find you. Or you don't even deserve to be on our phone account, so you just stay home and live with somebody else, look, like, and feel. Our culture and our world is designed to 
go after the people who are different. But what about the other people? And this is what Paul says to them. It's always a secret when they come to your argument with someone. Basically, what he says to me is, if you're different, it does not disqualify you. Watch what he's talking about. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 18. He says, I want you to think about how all of this makes you more significant, not less. Because think about it. A body, it isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. Think about it. If the foot said, I'm not elegant like the hand embellished with all these rings, guess I don't belong. Like what? Would that make it so? No. If the ear said, I'm not beautiful like the eye is, transparent and expressive. I don't deserve a place on the head. No. Would that make you want to remove it? He says no. If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If it was all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God, listen to this, God has carefully, God, the creator, has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. You are the way you are because the creator God created you that way. You are different on purpose. Once you understand that and you root your value in the creator, somebody who knows more about you than anybody because he created you, that should kill comparison. Do not allow comparison to kill you because here's the deal. The moment you try to look like them, you will die every time because you were not created to look like them. Just like he said, hey, a nose can't hear. What would he say? What does that smell like? And then you look an idiot. And so we are born into a culture that says you should all look like the eye, to use an example. You should all look like this. You should all perform like this because if you don't, we'll sit you on the bench and you won't even be welcome into the game anymore. Or you can't even use our bathroom. Or you can't even go to this. You see what I'm saying? Like your difference does not disqualify you. It qualifies you because God placed you there. Look, if man places you somewhere, then yeah, you might. Try, but when God gives you the value, nobody can strip it away. But we give it away because we think our value is in what we look like, not how we're created. There's a difference. And so if you're on the side of the fence where people disqualify you because you look different, act different, talk different, have a different way of talking, whatever, hear me. God gave you that difference on purpose because your difference is divine. But what about the other people? Because other people, though, they're different. It actually serves them. And some people, they're different. It actually gives them a function. And some people, they're different. They actually were born with this talent. Some people were actually born into this wealthy family. Some people were actually born in an area of the United States where actually it's easier to make it. And because to those people, our culture will say, because you were born that way, because you're different, I'm going to gift you with something that wasn't even yours to begin with because you were born with it. You've got to be careful if you're on this side of the fence because that's where arrogance, pride, and cockiness will begin to develop in your heart. And trust me, it won't be man that humbles you. It'll be God. Because hear me, you cannot... <clears throat> Let me just go to the Bible. I, I, I need to say that. Let me just look up that verse. This is what he says. 1 Corinthians 12, 19 through 24, he says, But I also, to the other group, I want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. He's saying, be aware. <laughs> yeah, you're awesome, but pride will take it all away in one second. He says, for no matter how significant you are, this is what he says to us, for no matter how significant you are, talented you are, awesome you are, he says, it is only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body. It'd be a freaking monster. They didn't say chicken, sorry. <laughs> but what we have, though, is one body with many parts, each at what its proper size and in its proper place. 
No part is important on its own. But can you imagine the eye telling the hand, get lost. I don't need you. That's what the Bible says. Or the head telling the foot, you're fired. Your job stinks. <laughs> when it's a part of your own body you're confronted with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or closed, higher or lower, talented or not talented. You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparison. Why? Because it's a part of the body. And like we said last week, if you want to fight the vision, you have to find the vision. I'll say it again. And like we said last week too, the vision is set in stone. The vision is unity. It's oneness. Coming as you are and being part of the only united thing that actually exists, the body of Christ. But hear me, young person, because the world says be uniform, not be united. Unity is not uniformity. And if you guys don't know the difference, uniformity is it's uniform. It's cool, folks. You want your sister. I hear the heart for that, but that's not a discussion. It's let me make them as no, as as perfect, look alike as possible. You will wear this. You will do this. You will act like this. You will do this way. We try to make you united. Look, you should never have to be forced into a box to be united. You, in your all your quirky weirdness, it's like a puzzle piece and all its defects that you don't know what it is because you've yet to see it plugged into the body it's created to be in. We can't do that. Because the truth is unity is not uniformity. Uniformity is trying to fit you into a box that you were never to be a part of, the piece will never fit. Unity requires diversity. Unity, it looks like a bunch of difference coming together to make a difference. It's a bunch of difference being true to who God created them to be in their difference to actually come together and make a difference. That's the only way it will work. Hard-hearted. God has given every single one of us a different heart, a gift. He's created us to look differently, act differently, walk differently. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't look old. The other side of this, I'm not saying that, oh, because I can do whatever. I'm not saying you can do whatever you want. I'm not saying go do whatever because of God. No, because of Jesus Christ, we have a holy standard to look at. And the goal is that we would all, looking to Jesus, we would all get more and more closer to him every single day. But here's a different part, is every single person comes to Jesus in a different way. I came to Jesus this way, this way, so I'm way over here. This person came to Jesus way over here. And so, yeah, we're going to look different, and we're always going to be at different parts of the journey, but our direction should be the same. See, it's the vision, it's about your direction. We said this all the time. The goal is not perfection. The goal is not you trying to be your perfect self. The goal is where are you headed? I had a conversation with a student last week who's new to this whole thing. You're saying I, I shouldn't sin? You're saying I shouldn't? I was like, well, what, what, man, what do you think? And I was like, did you ask yourself that question six months ago? <laughs> no, exactly. Because you're headed in the right direction. You would have never even thought to ask that question. So many people, is it right or wrong to do this? By the very fact you're asking right or wrong, you're asking the wrong question. So what is God speaking to you? Because God's so good that he doesn't require a uniform faith. His faith is one size fits all. It's a, it's a, what does the verse say? Anybody know it? Miles, you love to say this. Oh, you ain't listening. Even a mustard-sized faith can move mountains. So here's the deal. Wherever you are, it doesn't matter who you are, and I'm not going to do this, but I, I want to take an opportunity. It doesn't matter where you are. Jesus meets you where you are, but you need to know whenever you give your life to Jesus, whenever you say yes to him, you do not have to look like the next person. You have one person to emulate your life after, and it's Jesus. He said, follow me. 
He didn't say, hey, come over to the house. You're supposed to live first, get here, start coming to Grace City Youth, start coming to Grove, start coming to Second Bethesda, Hope City. He says, hey, where are you? Come follow me. Because he comes to us. He comes to us. And I, and I want to give everybody an opportunity real quick. I was not planning on doing this. But if I can have everybody just to bow their heads, close their eyes real quick. Just, man, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you're here, and I'm not talking about you, you Sam, if you want to start that journey and you want to say, you know what, I do want to follow Jesus right here where I'm at, can you just raise your hand? I'm going to pray for you if that's you. You say, you know what, for the first time in my life, I actually want to go where you go. Jesus, wherever you are, I just want to follow you in everything I do. You just look at me. God, I thank you so much just for that decision that they made right now, God, that you would, from this day forth, show them that they don't have to be uniform. They don't have to be perfect. They don't have to emulate this perfect standard that we created. God, let them just follow you into what your life looks like. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, hey, we're not done yet. What does that mean for you guys? Usually you do like the balloon ones, but I'm going to give some more. What does that look like for us? If you're different, what does that look like for you? Or in other words, how do you find your calling? Here's the deal. What's true for every single one of us is that we are part of a bigger story. We're part of God's purpose. But how do you find that part in Scripture? How do you utilize your life in such a way that every single day when you wake up and you begin to walk after that thing that God put in your life, not somebody else's, but your own? How do you find it? I want to talk a little bit more about that. What's true is in a little bit. But one thing we do want to tell you is that's why we do discovery. Because discovery for us, and there's many other ways that we'll talk about this series, but discovery for us is the one thing that you can do here to practically take a next step to say, okay, God, how have you wired me, and how can I make a difference? For some of you people who've been through Discover, maybe you can begin to bring other people on the journey, inviting your friends to your life group that actually contribute and let them go through Discover. Maybe for you it's beginning to pray for your friends who are not here, pray for your family. Maybe for you it's simply continuing to play your part because you've gone through Discover, you've begun to serve, and you feel like your part's insignificant. Hear me, because it's the part of the body, it's always significant. I heard this quote when I was younger years, and it said, I mean, I was 13 years old, it said, I may just be a drop in a bucket, but the bucket's not full. I'm either here that no matter how seemingly not important you feel you are, it doesn't matter how many people say you're insignificant, it doesn't matter what people have said about you, because even though you might be a drop in the bucket, the bucket is not full without you. The body of Christ needs you. We as a ministry need you. This city of Albany needs you. Your family needs you. You are the only you they will ever have. Imagine what God could do with you. The Bible says you are the light of the world. They don't have you. The Bible says you are the salt of the earth. Live your life the way God's called you to live. And as you compare it, find your part and don't ignore it. And I'm telling you, you will find a life that looks different, but even better than yours because of Jesus. Let me pray and then we'll get into this. God, I thank you so much just for the opportunity to come here and hang out and just hear about what you want to say to us. God, I thank you for the opportunity to communicate the word. I thank you, Lord, for every single one of us. Let, God, let our hearts be open and just receive. As we navigate what this means for us, God, I pray for our true leaders as we navigate this conversation. God, I pray that we would be real. I pray, God, that we would take off any mask that we may have. God, I pray that truth would be a safe place for all of us. But we'll be open, God. We'd be real, and we would find out who our identity truly is in you. God, I pray for healing. I pray for hope. And I just pray, uh, I pray for impact. Man, these last two weeks, God, in Jesus' name.